life is truly an adventure, isn't it? Some of you had an adventure getting here this morning, didn't you? Um, maybe you didn't know your car could skate quite as well as, as it did this morning. Um, I, I have a story. A young man arrived at work and told his office buddy that he had recently read a government warning um, that anyone traveling in icy conditions should take this list of things with him. A shovel, blankets or sleeping bag, extra clothing including a scarf, hat and gloves, 24-hour supply of food and drink, five pounds of rock salt, uh, a, a flashlight with spare batteries, road flares and reflective triangles, tow rope, a five-gallon a five can of gas, a first aid kit, and jumper cables. And then he turned to his friend and said, Man, did I feel like a complete idiot on the bus this morning. <laughs> uh, I think it would be an adventure getting to work on a bus with all of those things with you. Um, life is certainly an adventure. And, and we are in this series entitled, It's Your Move. And last week we looked at the mission of the church and the fact that the central number one mission of the church is to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to people who don't know him yet. That is our mission as a church. Um, it's proclaiming that good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. And who is our neighbors? Well, we saw that our neighbors are anybody that we rub shoulders with. Um, not just the person across the street, not just the person in the cubicle next to us, but, but anyone that we rub shoulders with. And I would even say that, that there are people in, in Africa who would be considered our neighbors. There are people in South America who are considered to be our neighbors. We saw that, that you know, give or take a few numbers, there are 8,500 people in our own county who likely do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That, that if Christ were to come today that they would all live eternally in, in hell. And that's a big number. That's a huge number, in fact, and a, and a number that breaks the heart of God. And, and one of the goals for our church is to reach into that number in the next year as much as we possibly can. And the fact that it's going to take all of us, everyone, taking advantage of every opportunity that they have. And we also saw last week, for those that weren't here, that it's very difficult to genuinely share Jesus Christ with someone if you don't have that genuine love and growth going on in your own life. We saw that, that around 20% of the people in our own church, in our own congregation, have indicated that they're kind of stuck. They're, they're stalled. They're, their relationship with God is stale. There's just no movement. And how we all need to be moving, how we all need to be seeking to make those decisions and those priorities in our lives that will help us grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So this year, we are embarking on a process that will help us do just that. Uh, we will all be challenged, and even though we want to stay in our comfort zone, several people said that last week, they're struggling with, I, I want to I just sit in my seat and be comfortable and, and not have to worry about things and not take risks. But that's not where God calls us to be and what He calls us to do. As a church, we want to all be growing and inviting others to join in the adventure because it truly is an adventure. As much as the world would like to tell you that, that, that believing in Jesus and doing what's right, um, it's just no fun. It's a lie. It is a huge adventure. And I'm excited for what God has for us in the coming year. Last week... Uh, Pastor Ty introduced to, to us four major steps in our new process here at North Hills. Um, I encourage everyone, if you haven't been to our website yet, go to northhillsbaptist.net and just wander around. Click on the buttons. Um, check out Second Look. Uh, actually, I, I would encourage you to check out Second Look every week. If you notice in your, in your worship folder, there is no uh, for further steps. I know many of you um, like those for further steps. You can take them home. You can study during the week. That's what second look is. Second look is for further study. Um, it's a second look of, of, at the sermon. And, and Pastor Ty each week um, produces a between five and ten minute video. Um, I watched the one for this week. It is excellent. Um, he has some great stuff in there. That, that's, I, I had, to be honest with you, a couple aha moments as I was watching that. 
And, and I think you would too. So if you have internet access, go to our website, click on Second Look, watch the video, um, print out the, the discussion guide. Maybe, you know, you are meeting with some guys or you have a Bible study and you're wondering what to study. Use Second Look. Now, if you don't have internet access, um, there are some DVDs out there that we burned that you can take home, pop in your DVD player, watch it. Um, there's also copies of the, uh, of the discussion guide out there as well. So I want to, uh, small, small, you know, advertisement for Second Look, but please, um, it, it's, it's top notch. I mean, it, it's really good. Uh, so uh, Ty's doing that for us. Now, another thing that we realize is that everyone in this room um, is at a different place in this process. In fact, as we're going to see this morning, there, there may be some of you here this morning who haven't, haven't even started the process yet. And that's uh, the place that we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this piece of our process that we call follow. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, uh, we're going to read some verses surrounding verse 23, 21 through 24, um, here in a couple moments. As you're turning there, I want you to think about standing in front of your doctor in his office and he says to you, um, I, I have some bad news. Um, I, I want to tell you that you have a couple arteries that are 95% blocked. And you are at a great risk, a grave risk of death if nothing is done about these arteries. Now, that would be terrible news wouldn't it? I would not like to be on the other end of that news. And I, I know some of you here this morning, you have actually been at the other end of some, of, of some news just like that. Um, but the doctor didn't stop there. You know, it's not like the old, uh, you know, my friend got bit by a rattlesnake and you went and just, you know, see what he's going to do and the response was you're going to die. That's not the response of a doctor when they find a blockage, is it? Now, his response is you could... Um, but what, what your doctor would tell you is, even with this bad news, I have some good news. Um, we can fix this. We, we can fix, uh, we can unblock these arteries, and, and if we do this procedure to do that, you will have more energy than you have in several years, and, and you will have much more enjoyment in life going forward. I mean, I mean the percentages are pretty high that that's what's going to happen uh, in, in a blocked artery. And then the doctor says, um, so it's sort of like this bad news, good news, bad news, next. Um, there is this procedure, but you need to know that it's going to be a very painful procedure. You know, we're going to split your sternum, and we're going to pry open your rib cage, and we're going to stop your heart, and, and, and all of these other things. So it's not going to be very pleasant. But if you undergo this process, this procedure the benefits going forward in life for you are incredible. They're incredible. You'll live longer for your children. You'll enjoy life. Um, it, it ultimately, again, it might be a bad news, good news, bad news, but ultimately it is a good news thing. And, and the passage that we're going to look at this morning is very similar to just that. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a surprising news bad news, great news kind of thing. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to dive into that in, in just a moment. Again, um, Ty last week said that one of, the, one of the first things that Jesus said to people, just a short phrase, come follow me. Come follow me. Believe in me. Believe in me. Have faith. Okay? For every one of us in here, in this room this morning, I don't care who you are, where you are at in your spiritual journey. This message this morning pertains to everyone, not just here in this room, but on the planet, on the entire planet. Jesus is calling us to follow Him. And He not only calls us to follow Him, and He not only called the disciples to follow Him, but then He gave them the means in which they actually could follow Him. Um, as a church... If we are anything about anything other than that, we should just have Roy make a sign to go over, our, over the word church down here and we'll just become North Hills Baptist Club. Um, just kind of doing good things for people and call it a day. No, uh, we are centered on Christ. Um, 
When Jesus called the twelve disciples, he said, follow me, follow me. Um, disciples making disciples. So our passage this morning is for all of us. For, for all of us. Um, one, one more short story. This following ad once appeared in a London newspaper. This is what it said. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return is doubtful. End of ad. And it was signed by Sir Ernest Shackleton, Antarctic Explorer. Now, amazingly, the ad drew thousands of respondents. There were thousands of men who wanted to get in line to be a part of this, even with the word safe return doubtful. They were willing to sacrifice for adventure. They were willing to sacrifice for adventure. Well, some guys... So, so many guys willing to risk their life for something that only promised adventure. We're talking about something this morning. Um, belief in Jesus Christ that offers a full life of adventure, but not just adventure. Peace, hope, joy. Many, many things. Many, many blessings. Many, many gifts. Okay, but not unlike this journey that, uh, that Sir Ernest is talking about, it's a hazardous journey. There are troubles along the way. There will be challenges. So let's read uh, verses 21 through 24 of Luke chapter 9. Look in your Bibles there. Uh, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now, this moment in the book of Luke, in the lives of the disciples, and it occurs in different places in the other Gospels, changed the disciples forever. I mean, they're hearing things right now that they, didn't, they hadn't even conceived would be even possible or would even have to, to happen. Up until this point, I think the disciples really thought of Jesus just as a rabbi or a teacher, one who wanted to teach them His ways. And here, Jesus is saying, guys, it's not just that. There is something divine. There is something great that is happening and you guys are going to be a part of it. Uh, before, before verse 21 there, uh, when Jesus says, who do the people say that I am? And, and, the, and the disciples are responding, you know, some are saying that, um, that your Elisha uh, returned and, and other answers to that question. But, but then he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one of God and then Jesus utters this interesting sentence in verse 21. He says, it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Now, just so we aren't confused by that, um, why would Jesus tell them not to tell anyone? I mean, it seems odd because we're telling you that we need to tell people, right? And, and here Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't tell anyone. Well, um, he is telling them here in Luke chapter 9 to not tell anyone because it wasn't time yet. Um, the disciples, I believe, weren't in the place where Jesus wanted them to be and there were other things that God had planned out in the line of time that needed to be worked out before this news could actually be broke. And so Jesus is saying, hey guys, you know, this is just between us for now. Um, don't tell this to anyone. And then Jesus tells his disciples what will eventually happen to him in verse 22. He's saying, hey guys, you know what? It's going to be a hard road. It's going to be tough. The journey that lies before us is going to have some suffering in it. It's going to have some sacrifice. And in the last days, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be dead, and then after three days, I'm going to be raised to life. Can you imagine being in the room, hearing your leader, the one who you left everything, you left your father, you left your family, you left your fishing career, 
to follow Jesus. And now he's telling you that, that he's not only going to die, but he's going to be rejected by all of the teachers of the law, all the religious leaders, all the most important people in Israel at the time are going to reject me, and then I'm going to be killed. Wow. What great news, Jesus. Right? Um, I mean, are you kidding me? This has never been done before. Um, you're going to die? It's, it's crazy. There's, there's no way. Nothing like this has ever happened before. And Jesus is, is, might have been thinking to himself, you're right, it hasn't. But it's going to. You can count on that. You can trust me in what I say. And then he begins the disciples on a discipleship process of teaching them and growing them. They fail. He picks them up. They learn. They grow. And then, and then after Jesus is here and gone, what do the disciples do? They preach the good news of the gospel unto their death. Amazing. Amazing to me. Um, so, so Jesus, in breaking this shocking news to his disciples, um, it's the first point in your notes. Um, and in the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that G- what Jesus said would happen did. Um, first of all, Jesus sacrificed for us. Jesus sacrificed for us. He was crucified on a Roman instrument of torture and death. And his death and resurrection were necessary. Completely necessary. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, talking about Adam back in the Garden of Eden, and death entered through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sin. Paul is saying, and he says in other chapters, uh, chapter 3, verse 23, chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. It's eternal. It's eternity in hell. The consequences of that. And we've all sinned. Every one of us. Every last one of us have this heart problem. This blockage. That is taking our life away. And Jesus has a procedure for us. And that procedure he's describing right there in simple terms, uh, facts to the disciples. First of all, he was, he was going to die, his death, and then he was going to raise again his resurrection. They were necessary. See, we can't save ourselves. We, we, can't, we can't provide a perfect sacrifice. There needed to be a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God. And the only way that could it be done is if God himself came and became a man lived that perfect life and became that perfect sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. His death and resurrection were necessary. His death and resurrection was also supernatural. Dead people don't come back to life. And I know there's a few in here who have been a part of near-death experiences. Uh, A couple doctors in the house, first service and second service. And, And you're like, you know, there are people who have been dead... And we revived them, right? Their heart had stopped and we brought them back to life. Okay? I don't know what you would say, Dr. Randolph, but I would say that person actually wasn't dead. Um, Because all of their other organs and everything else were still warm. They were still operating to a degree. Jesus is in the tomb for three days. His body is not only cold, it's stiff and probably starting to smell. He was dead. And the only way that he could come back to life is if there was some supernatural event that occurred, and it did. And we know it did because there were people that talked to him after this occurred. It was supernatural. So we are on this journey of life, this adventure, with the God of the universe who can do supernatural things. And have, and, and they've been seen. And you and I all get the opportunity to be one of his disciples, to be one of his followers. Jesus, even in another passage, says, I call you friend. Wow. Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful news? And then finally, his death and resurrection made eternal life possible. I spoke about this just 
already. Um, John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Never. We will not see that eternal um, damnation in hell. We will not see eternal death. We will see eternal life. This is great news. Is this great news? Can I run up and down the aisle and high-five people? I mean, uh, come on, really? Got a few nods out of that. I want many, many people in Goshen County and, and across the earth to hear this good news. And, and, and if, if more people than not in Goshen County are going to hear this good news, it's going to take every last one of us. It's going to take every last one of us. Jesus is calling to us to follow Him. Jesus is saying, okay, you know what? It's your move. It's your move. What are you going to do with this message? I think he's saying the same thing to his disciples here in our passage. You see, all discipleship, no matter where you are in that process, starts with following Jesus. It starts with confessing that He is Lord and Savior and that we believe in Him as Messiah. That's where it begins. And for some of you here this morning, that's where it needs to start. You have yet to cross that threshold. You have yet to say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I can't do this on my own. And I, I need you to save me. I need you to save me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, Jesus says. It starts with belief, but it doesn't stop there. You see, if you, if you in your life have started with belief and then it just kind of just ended right there, you're missing out on the adventure part of it. For Jesus' disciples, at this moment in time, it's just beginning. And, and they are baby, baby, baby disciples. I mean, they, they fall down. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth at least a dozen times in the process of growing in his faith in Jesus Christ. But they began. Then Jesus says this in verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? Well, number two in your notes is Jesus calls us to be his disciples. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. And he says that if anyone would come after him, that if anyone would be his disciple, first of all, he must deny himself. There must be self-denial. A disciple must deny self. Now, in this particular passage, Jesus isn't saying that we must deny things from self. He isn't talking about mere self-discipline, you know, like someone who's on a diet would, would um, deny themselves chocolates on Valentine's Day or sugared pop or what, whatever it is. You know, that's not the kind of denial that Jesus is talking about here. No, Jesus is saying that we deny self. And this is what that means. Putting oneself in submission to the will of another. Maybe you might write that down. Putting oneself in submission to the will of another. Putting oneself in submission to the will of another. Jesus says we are to put ourselves in complete submission of Him. Uh, we have talked about this over and over and over again, and we've seen how Jesus is the King of the kingdom that we can trust. Haven't we? And, and Jesus is saying that very same thing to His disciples right here in this verse. You must deny yourself. Submit yourself completely to Me. If Jesus wants me to go to Africa, that's where I go. If Jesus wants Stefan to go to Los Angeles and attend Master's College and get his Master of Divinity, that's where Stefan goes. No questions asked. If he wants me to stop being a pastor and be a hog farmer, that's what I do. 
He wants me to stop being a pastor in Wyoming and move to Hawaii to be a pastor. (laughs) Well, I'd have to submit, right? Right? I'd have to submit. But you see, that's that's where we get into trouble. That's where we stop denying self. And, and start this, this friction in our relationship with Jesus Christ is we say things like, uh, Jesus, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Just don't send me to South America. You know, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, but don't, 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 call, don't, don't make me plant a church in South Torrington or in Lusk or, or somewhere else. God, I'll go anywhere, anywhere, but there. You, you, see, you see where that comes? And that comes with anything in life. Like God, should I should I buy this or should I buy that or should I take this job or should I take that job? And and we know what we want, but but we pray that He would tell us what He wants. And and if He does say that clearly and it's not what we want, then 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 it's like, well, maybe I'm not hearing God right. You know, maybe I need to look differently. Right? No, He's saying we must deny self completely. Um, now I have never been in the military. Um, but I can imagine that what Jesus is saying to the disciples right here is akin to serving in the military. Um, see, when you're in the military and there's somebody over you, Scott, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, and your commander gives you, um, gives you an order, what do you say? Yes, sir. You say, yes, sir. And they train that into them. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Because if they say, we're storming this hill, they want everybody to say, yes, sir, let's go. They don't want everybody to say, well, are you sure that's a good idea? I'm not sure we should... I mean, they might be thinking that. (laughs) Um, Right? Yes. Um, But their response has to be, yes, sir. If if they say, say, uh, up at 3 a.m. and we're going to drop you off in the ocean and you're going to swim to point A and wait for further instructions, you say, yes, sir. That's denying self to, to a will that's higher than, than yours. It, it, it's the same in our relationship with Jesus Christ. As disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, when he says, do this, we say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The doctor says, open heart surgery. You say, schedule it. Right? We got to do this. I don't, I don't want to die tomorrow. I'm going to do what I can. I want to save my life. I want you to do what you can to save my life. And we know, as we've talked, that when it comes to our sin, only Jesus Christ can be our Savior. So Jesus says that we must deny ourselves. If anyone would come after him, be his disciple, he must deny himself. Now, the voices of the world say it's all about us. You know, if you're a teenager in this room, you hear these messages every five minutes of every day. It's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's all about your pleasure. It's all about what you can get. And then that goes on into our adult life. And you don't have to watch TV very long to know that that's the way that advertisement operates, right? But the best thing for us is to deny ourselves. And it's because of all the voices of our culture that pander to our selfishness and our pride and our need to be in control that Jesus then says what He says next. And what He says next is this. He must deny Himself and take up His cross daily. Take up His cross daily. Now, Jesus isn't talking about a little gold or jeweled covered cross that people wear around their neck. Or a cross that you would hang on your wall or a cross that you might put on the back of your car. That's not taking up your cross. (laughs) Some people, that's where they stop. They take up their cross. They put on their gold chain in the morning. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Now, I'm not opposed to those things, mind you. Um, But that's not what it means to take up your cross and follow Him. What Jesus says here takes the submission of dying ourselves to everyday life. And, and, and as He's talking about this to the disciples, what are they thinking? You know, they're thinking a cross. They're thinking the beam that the Romans used to torture and kill people. Okay? Um, and, and here is here is what they would be thinking. Those, those who were condemned to die to be tortured by the Romans would 
pick up the cross, the main beam of their instrument of torture, where at their starting point, and the Romans would force them to carry it through the streets to the place where they would ultimately be crucified. Now, did they do that just because they didn't have soldiers strong enough to carry the, the beam? No. They did that, one, so this person would know that they are in total submission of Rome. What you did was wrong, and you're being punished for it, and, and this is your means of death. It's total submission to Rome. And it warned everybody in the streets that watched this person walk by that Rome is definitely in control. And that if you get out of line, this is the consequence that you have going for you. Okay? And in the first century and beyond, to proclaim yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ often meant putting your life at risk, actually. So in a sense... They, they were literally picking up their cross on a daily basis. There, there's an American pastor who is in an Iranian prison today. Many of you know who he is. Okay, He was accused, probably rightfully so, of proselytizing in the country of Iran, which is illegal. Why did he go there? Why would anybody risk their life to go to another country? Because Jesus called him to go. Because Jesus called him to go and because he has the greatest news that is for everybody. Not just people in America. Not just people in free countries. In every country. And now, he may pay with his life. If he survives prison, which is going to be difficult, but he went because he was called by God to go. He knew the possible cost of his faithfulness to Jesus and he followed him anyway. That's denying self. That, that's valuing other people more than we value ourselves. There is a cost to discipleship, and it's a daily cost. So, it's your move. Um, Jesus is calling your name. You are here this morning. You are listening online. Whoever and wherever you are, Jesus is calling your name today, just as he called the name of the disciples. And he is saying, follow me. He is saying, follow me. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. For those who aren't Christ followers, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Count the cost. Yes. And believe. Believe. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for those who are Christ followers, let's begin to take steps in proclaiming this good news. Let's not be willing to stay in our comfort zones. Let's do what we have to do. Maybe for you, it's, it's growing a bit in some areas, and Pastor Ty in just a second is going to talk about that. Let's take up our crosses daily. And finally, Jesus tells us why it's important to be all in. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And then, verse 25, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. Point number three is trying to save our own life will only result in losing it. Trying to do it on our own. Jesus is the only way. Now, how do we try to save our own lives? Um, it's been, uh, I've heard this phrase, searching, have you ever heard anybody say, well, she's or he is searching for love in all the wrong places. I think that's one of the ways in which we try to save our own life. We try to make some sense of our own life. Well, salvation can't be found in sex or relationships, though we often search there. Money, that's a big one. It's often thought that money can buy happiness and, and money can buy purpose, but it doesn't. In fact, it, it actually just gets in the way of true peace and true purpose. Instead of providing for us. No, trying to save our own life with money will only result in us losing it. Power? Nope. That leads to destruction. Popularity, prestige, nope and nope. And then there's the ultimate way that we try to save ourselves, and that's this, by doing good works. By doing good things. Helping old ladies across the street. Scooping our neighbor's sidewalk when it's covered with snow. Volunteering hours at school or in the community or at church. Doing good things doesn't save us. 
let's not try because in the process we will only lose our life. Or, or maybe it's self-discipline. Maybe you don't watch bad movies or television shows. Of course, again, all these things that I'm listing here, they're good things, but they won't save us. We do these things because we've been saved, not in order to be saved. Jesus is the only one who can save us. Let's lose our life so that it will be saved. And if that's not enough motivation, think about this. In the end of verse 24, where Jesus says, whoever loses his life for me will save it. It's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. If this present life is most important to you, then you will do everything you can to protect it, won't you? You'll have that heart surgery. You'll, you'll, you'll do whatever you need to do. You won't want to do anything that might endanger your safety or your health or your comfort. By contrast, okay, if following Jesus is most important, we may find ourselves in unsafe, unhealthy, and uncomfortable places. Maybe even risk unto death. And Jesus knew that that was going to be the ultimate end for the disciples. And he knows what our ultimate end is, is as well. We will risk death, but we will not fear because we know that Jesus will raise us to eternal life. And nothing, nothing, nothing material can compensate for the loss of eternal life. There is nothing in this world that can compensate for the loss of eternal life. We don't have to waste our lives simply living for ourselves. As disciples of Christ, we can spend our lives serving God and our neighbors. Disciples making disciples. Pastor Ty, come and talk to us about the follow piece. Well, I'm going to try and be as brief as I can. And to help me do that, I need you to give me some feedback on this. So as I'm talking, nod your head or give me a, yep, you're right, because I'm going to keep talking until you understand what we're talking about here, all right? So give me, thank you, Scotty. Glad you're with me. I'm going to make a really bold statement here and um, see, see what you think about this. The gospel is the most transformative message that exists on planet Earth. Do you believe that? In fact, I'll even make a bolder statement. I'll say this. I'll say that no one can come into the, can encounter the gospel and leave unchanged. Do you believe that? And even the, the very fact that someone is exposed to the gospel changes something. But when someone trusts Christ, they, it, it changes not only their life, but I want you to think about this. It changes families, doesn't it? And it changes communities, and it changes the world. It's a message that is unlike any other message, and it's, uh, uh, it's beyond an intellectual thing. It's beyond even a, um, an eternal change. It is a transformational change under, uh, unlike anything else that a person could experience. And you know, if you have followed Christ, if you have trusted Christ, you know the impact that the gospel has made in your life. You understand that. But I'm concerned, and I want to speak to a concern. I think that all of us, as, even as we listen to Pastor Dave this morning, as we, we consider this idea of sharing the gospel and the impact of the gospel on the world, I think that we have a really great understanding of it. But I don't think we have a really good understanding of it. And it is unrealistic for us to expect that we can preach you into sharing Christ with somebody else. It's unrealistic to expect that our church is going to make any kind of an impact in the lives of those, this 8,500 number that we've been throwing around. It's unrealistic for us to expect that we can make any kind of an impact in those 8,500 people's lives unless something happens in here and we are gripped again with the urgency of what, we're, what really is at stake. Do you agree with that? Because you're kind of going cold on me. I'm going to pre keep preaching on this until you, you agree with me. 
Because think about this. How, how much more do you need to know about the gospel? How much more do you need to know? Now, some of you are saying, well, yeah, I, I need to know some things. I need to know some things. In fact, I would put it like this, you know. Let's say that you were exposed to, like, the, the most wide-open evangelistic opportunity that you could ever expect. And someone walks up to you, someone that you already have a relationship with. They walk up to you and they say, please, tell me, I beg of you, tell me how I can be saved. Would you have an answer for that question? I hope that you do. But I know that there are some that are like, I have no idea what I would say to this person. I have no idea. In fact, I would hope that, that you know, that I would have my, my phone there so I could call the pastor so that they could share Christ with this person. But honestly, that's not, that's not what we're asking here. We're, we're saying, you know, do you have the tools? Do you have the tools? It's not necessarily about more information, though you need to have some. So built into this follow process is some evangelism training. Um, it's, it's part of what we're going to be talking about next week, which is uh, the Discover classes. And uh, right now, even in an adult Sunday school, during the 9 o'clock hour, we're piloting um, a series called uh, Becoming a Contagious Christian. And we're hearing good feedback from that. And we want to we make that available to help people get that basic training of how would I give an answer to someone if, if I was presented with that opportunity in a style that's... that's you know, comfortable to me the way that God has wired me. But here's the question, you know. Even if you had the right tools, even if you had the right information, it does very little unless our heart is throbbing to share our faith with people who are far from God. And that's not something that we can instill in you. We can challenge you, and I, I, I imagine that all of you, like myself, feel convicted but I'm not going to do anything with conviction unless the Holy Spirit does the real kind of transformational work in my life and places the urgency and the opportunity in front of me. Does that make sense? Come on. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. So one, uh, one way that we can expound on this and uh, in the second look video for this week, uh, I talk a little bit more about this, about what Christ really is calling us to when he calls us to be his disciples. And some people that I've talked to, they say, yeah, I, you know, I just completely forgot about watching the video from last week. And that's fine. I understand it's, we're trying to reform a, a, a new habit in people's lives. But if, if that's you and you would like a reminder sometime this week to watch the Second Look video, write that on your Connect card. Hey, would you send me a text message or would you send me an email or give me a phone call this week to remind me to watch that video? And if you can't watch it online, there's DVDs available in the lobby, please take them home and watch that. We need to grow in this area. And part of, part of follow is not just inviting people to follow Christ, but it's training all of us how we can be disciples who make disciples. Another big part of this is we need to understand that as a church, our doors are open to people who are far from God. And we will work hard to making this a place that's attractive to people who are far from God. Um, this, if this turns into just a... Um, a, a Christian club where we're all just gathering together and patting each other on the back and learning some new things and singing some songs. I mean, there's a, there's a certain place for that. But what's, what's the eventual end of that kind of an organization called the church? It's a nursing home, right? It's a bunch of people who grow old and they die together. And you see this replicated again and again and again in nearly every town across the United States of America and around the world if the evangelism temperature of a church cools off. Nod your head if you're understanding this because I'm going to keep going. That's right. And I don't want to be a part of a place where, where it's just a bunch of people getting old together. I want to get old with you, but I want to invite a bunch of people to come along with us, see? And I want to see a bunch of, uh, a bunch of young kids and college kids and children who are growing up and they're, they're catching this fire. And they're going to say, you know, I was a part of a church when I was a kid. And it, it was so inspiring because every week we were seeing people's lives being changed by the gospel. And that's the kind of church that launches missionaries into the world. And that's the kind of church that launches youth pastors who go plant churches to rescue other people. That's the kind of church, when your heart 
beats and it throbs for people who are lost. But we can't manufacture that. And um, that's something that we all need to work on, not just as a church, but as individuals of saying, you know, Holy Spirit, (laughs) you're the only one who can change my heart. And I need that. I need that. I want this to be true of my life as well. There's some other things that I can mention here. Events, outreach events in our community to make the gospel available to people who would never darken the doors of our church. But two, two more very quick things. Uh, one, one opportunity that we're exploring that I think could be very, um, very transformational in our community. And that is the idea of what is available for a person who's spiritually seeking that would never darken the doors of a church. They aren't that far in their spiritual journey. What is available for that kind of person? When you think about it, especially in Goshen County, what is there for a person who's spiritually seeking to ask questions and to, you know, to, to have somebody you know, walk that kind of investigation journey with them? There really isn't anything. This Saturday, it, uh, there's a group of us that are going to Cheyenne for a training by a man named Gary Poole who is really cutting edge here on this idea of seeker small groups. And what they are is spiritual discovery groups for people who are spiritually curious. It's moderated by a Christian who points people to the the answers that the Bible gives to those questions that they have. If that is even intriguing to you, I mean, we aren't trying to sign you up for anything, but if you'd like to join us in that, you can go to our website, click on events, and register yourself and jump in with us. Or write it down on your Connect card if you want us to get you registered, or if you're interested in going. Um, it's, uh, we're going to be leaving the church like 8 o'clock. Is that what time we're leaving? 8-ish on Saturday? Cause, or 7.30. We're going to leave at 7.30. And uh, the training ends at 3 in Cheyenne, and so we'll be back um, uh, dinner time or so on, on Saturday. Please consider joining us for that. And f- my final bug on this piece. Sometimes what a person needs in, um, in helping to fan that, fan that flame of evangelism in their life is they just need to see the gospel really make a tangible difference in someone's life. And w- one of the ways that we're encouraging that is inviting people to consider going on a missions trip. And uh, just, you're going to hear more about this in weeks to come, but on Monday, a week ago tomorrow, um, a group of six of us went to the reservation to visit Shelly, who's a missionary that we um, have contact there with who works with Native children. But we asked her to identify a family um, that we could help in a tangible way through a building project or through helping them work on an aspect of their home or something like that. And um, so on Monday, last Monday, we met a family, um, Fish and Myra Waters. They live about three miles down the road from, from Barry and Shelley and from their church. And to get there, you, you drive on this dirt road and you turn up kind of this four-wheel drive trailer, trail. You pass um, some really um, old... Um, uh, it's really hard to describe, actually. There's extension cords running from one house to another and um, places that you wonder, is that a shed or do people actually live there kind of thing? And you, you, you drive up the road and around, and here you come to Fish and Myra's trailer house. Uh, it's very, very hard to describe, but some, some pieces of this, it's sitting on cinder blocks. It's not tied down. There's no skirting around it. There's old doors and uh, debris and stuff, you know, kind of keeping the wind from blowing up underneath it. Um, it, It's not level. It sits kind of at an angle. And when you talk to them, they are, they're very spiritually, they're very spiritual people, but they're very spiritually lost people. And this is a family that doesn't have running water, they don't have electricity, and they live in constant fear that their house is going to blow over the hill because it's not strapped down. And I think to myself, you know what, here's an opportunity for us not just to, not, not just to, to give a, a, you know, a spiritual shot in the arm to these people, but to help them in a real practical, tangible way. But at the same time, do it in the love of Christ and to present that message of the gospel to them that they may not just live in a home here on this earth that they, they don't ha- live in fear of, but that they would live in an eternal home that will see not rust or decay or moth or 
or destruction that lasts forever. And uh, I would encourage you to, to be, uh, be, keep your ears pierced, pier- perked, perked, not pierced. Keep your ears perked about that. That trip is going to be the 15th of April, the week of the 15th of April. So if that's interesting to you, talk to me about it. You're going to be hearing more about that. But you might start clearing your calendars if you're interested in that. For the the week of the 15th of April, we're going to take a a crew up there to work on the playground and also to to help this family. So with that, we're we're going to close the service. Boy, after last week, I thought I had reason to pierce my ear. But uh, after this morning, I think I just might do it. No, I'm kidding. I would, I would not do that. I couldn't return home to my father if I did that. Um, listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, Although I am less than the least of God's people, I think we would all consider ourselves that. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ unsearchable riches. That's a part of the adventure. Our searching and searching and searching and, and God growing us and growing us and challenging us and, and, and forming us. It's part of the process. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want to I ask you this question. When is the best time to plant a tree? When is the best time to plant a tree? 25 years ago. 25 years ago. That's the best time to plant a tree. I have one in my backyard. We planted about 12 years ago. And I'm constantly saying to myself, man, I wish I'd have planted three more at the same time that I planted that one. Well, when's the next best time to plant a tree? Today. Today. If I'd have planted those other three trees the day that I said, I wish I'd have planted three more, it it would have been five years ago. Those trees would be five years old. But I still haven't yet. When, when we're talking about following Christ, when, when we're talking about being a disciple and following, look, you know, sure, the best time would have been 25 years ago, that first time. But the next best time to be a disciple of Christ, to do something, to continue in the process, to realign yourself, that's today. That's today. So again, it's your move. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. As they do, I'm going to remind you of something that even what we do here in passing an offering plate, it's, a, it's an act of worship to God, but it's also being a part of the evangelism process because 20, 21% of everything that goes into the offering plate goes directly towards missions and supporting missionaries around the world. And so uh, when you put something in there, you aren't just paying a pastor's salary though it does go to, to do that as well, but you are supporting the gospel being spread to, to the ends of the world and right here in Goshen County making an impact in that, that disturbing number of 8,500 people who need to know Christ. So I'm going to invite you to sing this song with us, and after the plate goes by, you can go ahead and stand up and sing with us. My hope is built on nothing less. <laughs>